Hey everybody, welcome back to Ubaldi Reports. Throughout my podcast, I keep reiterating the fact that they're never challenging the candidates who are running for president. This is the fact on the Republican and Democratic side. The media just doesn't challenge them on their assumptions. Now, today's podcast, I'm going to do something a little different. I'm going to talk about the decline of small business in America. Now, throughout this campaign, you've heard the candidates on both the Democrat and the Republican side really rail against trade, really rail against international trade. All these free trade agreements are hurting the American worker. Now, there's certain aspects, there's truth to that. But what I'm going to do is something different that the candidates aren't talking about and also what the um, the media is not focusing on. Now, when they talk about trade, and this is plays uh, big time in the Rust Belt states up in the um, you know Ohio, uh, Pittsburgh, Pencil, you know Pennsylvania, Indiana, Illinois, Michigan, California, New York, all the big industrial states of the United States. But what they don't tell you is some of the unhidden things about these Rust Belt and these industrialized states. Now, if you look at the states, and I just did some basic checking on the internet. Anybody can Google the same thing that I that I looked into. If you go to chiefexecutive.net and CNBC, you can see that the worst states to do business in are in the Rust Belt or in the industrialized North California to the West and New York, New Jersey in the, uh, uh, the Northeastern part of the United States. All these states are ranked at the bottom of setting up a business. Now, I have a small business. I came from California. And one of the things California institutes that when you start your business, you have to pay $800 a year, whether your business makes a profit or not. Now, $800 may not seem a lot, but when you're starting your business and you need every penny you can to market, to advertise, to do all the things you need, that costs money. Now, it depends. also depends on what business you have. If you have a highly regulated business, it's going to be difficult for you to establish a business in these states. But the media and the candidates never address that. They never mention what these states are like. Now, now the campaign is going out. It's now campaigning in Wisconsin. We had a week or two ago, they had campaigns in Michigan. They're going into Pennsylvania, New York, New Jersey, all the um, northeastern states. And if you look at these states, these states are broke. I mean, has anybody looked at Illinois? Uh, it's a manufacturing state. I know a, constru- a major construction company It's moving its business from Illinois down to Florida because the regulations and the taxes are just too burdensome. It's just too costly to do business. So, but nobody, nobody looks into that. Nobody looks at what's it like to set up a business. Now, all these candidates like Bernie Sanders, he rails against these trade agreements, NAFTA, Trans-Pacific Partnership that passed last year and all the other trade agreements. But Bernie Sanders has never run a business. Most of the members of Congress have never run a business. This goes on the Democratic and the Republican side. You look at like Paul Ryan. He's the Speaker of the House. I have nothing against the guy. Never met him. But he's never run a business either. He's been in the House since he was about 27 years old. 
So if you factor in graduated 18, four years of college, three years of um, law school, take time to pass the bar, he really has not been in the workforce all that long. Bernie Sanders is another big one on free uh, against free trade or against these trade agreements. He's never owned a business. He's been in government his basically his whole life. So there's a disconnect between those in the the Washington elite, and I like to use this term because that's what's been pushed across the um, the campaign is the Washington elites on both sides. Now that includes Donald Trump. Donald Trump is a business guy. He runs casinos and things like that, and he rails against international trade. But he should know better than anybody else that what's it like to start to run a business. These manufacturing companies make it very difficult. I mean, it's very difficult to set up shop in some of these states. Now, some of the cities that are the worst cities to run a business are typically located in California, New Jersey, and New York. California has proponents the highest number of cities that is very difficult to do business. Now, California just recently passed the $15 an hour minimum wage. Well, it'll reach $15 by uh, 2022. And that's going to have a very negative impact on business. Now, I'm sure listeners or people listening to this podcast would say, well, you're just for big business and you want to hurt the little guy. Well, that means you wouldn't know my background. My father, all he had was a fifth grade education. And he told his kids that if you ever want to get ahead, you're going to have to get an education. That means either go to college or go into the trades. Two of my One brother went into college. One became a firefighter. I went to college. I had one brother who went into the trades. He worked hard, studied, went through the apprenticeship programs, and now he's a superintendent for a pretty good-sized construction firm out in California, and he makes well over a six-figure salary. He doesn't have a college education, but he went through the trades. And that's the problem. We demonize vocational trades. We demonize vocational fields. We make it sound like if you're in the vocational field, there must have been something wrong with you. You're not smart. You have a criminal background or you're just lazy. And that's far from the truth. We don't make anything like we used to. And to make something, you have to establish a business, a manufacturing company in America. In a lot of states, it's very difficult to set up shop. Now, a lot of um, USA Today last week reported that California, one of the big industrialized states, is seeing a, a, a huge influx of people leaving their state, moving to Texas, and establishing business in Texas. I live in Florida. I moved from California to Florida, and that was one of the reasons. California has, I mean, excuse me, Florida has a very good uh, business climate. They welcome small business. They want small business. And you're going to see more and more companies moving to the South. Texas, Florida, some of the Carolinas are pretty good. And it's very, and, and you can't blame them. And we'll see this as the census of 2020 takes hold in a couple of years. California, for the first time by the census of 2010, did not gain a congressional seat. That's the first time since 1849 when they became a, um, a state. Now, the other thing which the media and the candidates aren't focusing on is the corruption and the dysfunction of a lot of these state governments. Now, 
like I said a few minutes ago, my father only had a fifth grade education. He realized the only way to get ahead is to get yourself an education. But if you look at some of these Rust Belt cities, let's take Detroit, for instance. Detroit is virtually broke. It has a one-party rule. One party has ruled that, has run that city since John Kennedy was president well over 50 years ago. Now, recently, the Associated Press, last week, just reported the federal government, the Department of Justice, is invest, heavily investigating the educational practices of a lot of its principals for squandering money. A lot of them are going to be seeing uh, criminal activity or facing criminal fines and punishment because of what they did. Now, the former superintendent of Detroit Public Unified School District, she went and became the, unif- the, uh, the president or the superintendent of Chicago Unified School District. Last October, which was not widely reported because that was all in the mix of the crisis with the mayor of Chicago and the police shooting and the potential hiding of a video that showed this video. Well, that superintendent of public education pleaded guilty to corrupt 48, I think it was like 48 uh, charges of corruption, which she channeled $23 million of no-fund contract to corporations and companies, which she would receive 2 to $3 million in kickbacks to herself. Now, look at that money that is being wasted because she took money to herself that was illegal and pleaded guilty to felony. How many kids are not going to be educated that money could have helped? How many kids aren't going to be able to go to college where that money could have helped them along that way? And Chicago's school system is facing, I believe it's like $500 million shortfall. Chicago is virtually broke. The city of Chicago, again, like Detroit, has had one party rule that city since 1932. My mom wasn't even born. She would have been 82 to, I mean, excuse me, 81. So over, well over 81 years ago, one party has ruled that state. Now, this isn't a Democrat or Republican issue. Some of my listeners may think I'm picking on the Democrats. I'm not. All I'm saying is before we hit one, one aspect that trade is bad or what small businesses are going through, we need to look at everything, all the complexity, the, 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 the interest involved. A lot of these cities and states are virtually broke. Look at the, um, the Flint, Michigan crisis. Now, there's a lot there. Everybody has a, um, was guilty of causing that disaster. But Flint, Michigan is under conservatorship. That city is broke. One party has run that city for... Years. You go to Maryland, the riots they had last year. Baltimore has a, had a one-party system run that city for years. Same thing with, um, with Maryland. They've only had two, gov- two Republican governors, a current one and one about eight years ago. Other than that, they've had one party run that city, well, excuse me, run that state since 1968. So these are things that have to be looked at. Before anybody trashes business and it's always corporate America, I got it. There's a lot of things I'm disgusted about corporate America. I was taken in by a corporate marketing firm who 
overrepresented themselves and I was left holding the bag. So I have a lot against corporate America. That's some of the is the problems I'm having with the um, with Donald Trump. Donald Trump said that he filed bankruptcy four times for his corporation. Now that's legal. He can do that. And by filing bankruptcy, you can hold off on any of uh, payments to your your creditors or to pay off some of your debt. The problem with that filing bankruptcy four times, what's not been reported, how many small businesses service his corporation that didn't weren't able to make it through bankruptcy. They can't wait two years to be paid. How many of those small businesses, which are middle class families, went bankrupt and lost everything because they didn't have the personal wealth like Donald Trump enjoys to, to last that, that period of time? So these are the things people need to look at. They need to think, how does this affect business? And I would ask my listeners, anytime you go to any store, any restaurant, just ask a small business owner, what's the, what's the business climate like for you? How is business for you? Especially those in the Rust Belt states, Illinois, Michigan, and California. And that includes New York and New Jersey. Ask these people, what's it like to be a small business owner in America today. Now, we're also witnessing the decline of small business. Now, Gallup, in January of 2015, they reported for the first time in recorded, since they've been recording this, there are more small business dying than starting up. So for the first time, you're seeing less small businesses being established. Now, some regions of of the country are doing well. But you've got to look at the vast expanse of America. A lot of small businesses are just not making it. And there's a lot of things that go into that. Now, as we talk about the decline of small business, the Heritage, Heritage Institute put together something called the 2016 Economic Index of Economic Freedom. The United States is 16th on the list. Now, that may not seem a problem for a lot of people. It may not mean much. But we, why should America, the leader of business, the entrepreneurial king, where it's, everybody wants to establish a business in America, why should America be 16th? And then for also the, um, the United States ranks 12th among developed nations in business startups. We should be number one. People need to realize small businesses represent the greatest job creation in this country. Well over 60% of all jobs created in America are in small business. Most of the uh, most people work around 70% of Americans work for small business. 50 employees or less. Most people don't work for major corporations. They work for small business. So we should be doing things that create jobs, that help small business. By helping small business, you help America. Now, the Bureau of Labor Statistics reported small businesses, again, created over 64% of all jobs in America. Now, some of the problems that small businesses are having is they're being overtaxed and overregulated. Now, we heard about inversion where corporations can move their money abroad and that's legal under the um, 
the tax code. Now, you can fault Republicans, you can fault Democrats, but both parties contributed to this. Look at Burger King. Warren Buffett, which is a strong supporter of the president, he benefited from Burger King moving its corporate headquarters to the low-tax country of Canada. So we got to can't just look at our guy. We got to blame everybody else. Both Republicans uh, have failed to address the complexity and the Byzantine dysfunction of the U.S. tax code that's going to help this. Now, two of the biggest things recently has been Dodd-Frank, which is the financial overhaul, which was in response to the, the financial crisis of 2008 and 2009. Now, I, I agree that something needed to do to rein in the excesses of the big bank. But what Dodd-Frank unintended consequence was, it punished the small regional banks who weren't responsible for the financial meltdown. And what I mean by that, most small businesses get their capital from loans by small regional banks. Because of Dodd-Frank, some of the regulations were put in. They have to have a billion dollars in assets. So a lot of these small banks are having to merge with each other. And that keeps less capital from flowing throughout the economy. So now a lot of these small banks are bringing back capital and they're not loaning to small business. That's why you see Kickstarters and GoFundMe campaigns get up. And for myself, when I started my business, I had to use a lot of my personal savings, credit cards or whatever, just to get my business established. So these are things politicians aren't looking at. Every time they pass a law, they got to think, how does this impact small businesses? Not corporate America, small businesses. Small businesses don't have the tax, the tax lawyers, the accountants, and the lobbyists working on their behalf like corporate America does. The other thing is the Affordable Care Act. Now, this is a very controversial issue. This has been a, de- a death nail for small businesses. They just don't have the resources to cover everybody. Everybody would love to have health insurance. I think everybody should have access to affordable health care. But the Affordable Care Act was badly put together and badly, um, badly written and badly funded. It is causing a lot of headaches to small businesses. Any employer has well over has over 50 employers gets hits hard, and if you have employees that work beyond 30 hours, they get um, the employee gets or employer gets dinged. They got to provide health care, so you're seeing less people work full time, and you're seeing less people being hired. It's very difficult to get jobs. Now, there's people could say, I see jobs all over the place, but those good-paying jobs are not there like they were prior to the financial collapse. So these are things that have to be looked at and are not looked at by both parties and the media. The media needs to not be cheerleaders for any of the, the, um, the parties, or candidates, or choose who they want. They need to be asking these serious questions. So when uh, Bernie Sanders talk about we're going to renegotiate, we're going to all these trade deals are bad. Well, let's look at that. Let's really challenge on his assumption. And when Donald Trump talks about we're going to put a forty percent tariff on goods coming in from China, has anybody heard of Smoot Howley, the trade de- the trade tariff bill that passed a year after the uh, the um, the collapse of the stock market in 1929. Many people, many economists attributed the deep recession, the deep depression to that very erroneous trade bill that put massive tariffs on any goods coming in from abroad 
And when we did that, what do you think the other countries are going to do? They're going to put trade uh, deals or uh, tariffs on their product or on our products coming in. And the, the global economy is very weak now. What do you think is going to happen? Now, as also I did a little bit more checking, and the U.S. Department of Commerce stated more than 38 million Americans' jobs depend on trade. Few Americans are aware that the United States is the world's largest exporter of goods and services. U.S. exports of goods and services reached $2.3 trillion in 2014, again, according to the U.S. Department of Commerce. Now, international trade including exports and imports, support 39.8 million U.S. jobs. That means more than one in five jobs in America is related to international trade. Now, these trade-related jobs grew three and a half times faster than total employment from the period of 2004 to 2013 and are at large and small companies. Again, these are at small businesses, and these are on farms and factories. And a lot of the global headquarters, a lot of the headquarters are here in America. Now, you can find this. This is what I've got. This is from the Business Roundtable. Now, here's another one. The United States exported $1.6 trillion in goods and $687 billion in services in 2013, including petroleum, coal products, aerospace products, motor vehicles, and parts, computer software, and travel services. Of the over 304,000 U.S. exporters, 98% are small and medium-sized companies with less than 500 workers. This is by the Business Roundtable. Now, the U.S. government can do certain things to help on some of these trade deals. You can really get with the, um, the World Trade Organization and really get with our allies to go after companies like Aerobus, because they get subsidies, they get help from uh, the European Union. China, the one that gets mentioned a lot. Let's work with our allies to punish everybody to, so it's not just the United States acting alone. So we can force these companies to adhere to these freight treat agreements. So we need to be doing certain things, but we need to be getting our facts in. But we also got to do things for ourselves. We need to look at our own country and look at these cities. Look at these counties. Look at these states. The states of, of a lot of these Rust Belt states are broke. A lot of those companies, my dad worked for, as a, he was an iron worker. He worked for Bethlehem Steel. Bethlehem Steel is no more. Why did the U.S. steel companies have a problem? Many of those U.S. steel companies are foreign owned. Why didn't they reinvest back into their companies? If you look at Apple, is a good, a good example. They're only as good as their last product. The CEO of Apple knows that if he doesn't come up with the next best thing, his company is going to be out of business. Another company will take over. So they know that all these manufacturing companies have to do the same thing. That includes the automotive industry. The automotive industry took a beating, but a lot of this was self-inflicted. Look at GM. That was a deplorable company, how they ran their business. Even though when the government took it over and they looked at how they did their, their accounting, they were stunned what they saw. So we need to look at the companies need to reinvest in themselves. But America needs to look at anytime you pass a law, how does that affect small business? How does that affect jobs in America? 
And then the states need to look at themselves and the cities need to look at themselves. All these cities and states are broke. Now, I moved from Sacramento to Tampa, Florida. Sacramento is facing a $2 billion shortfall to its pension system, but they sure can spend a lot of money to help build a new stadium for the Kings. California's got a $200 billion pensions problem. How is that going to be fixed? Look at Chicago. They're facing a $63 billion debt. Their schools are facing $500 million debt. How is that going to be paid? Look at Detroit. Look at New York. New Jersey, as much as Chris Christie lamets what he did in New Jersey, that state's got problems. They're facing almost about an $80 billion pension problem. How is that going to be filled? And they're one of the worst states to run a business. I have a friend that owns, her father owns a business there. He complains um, all the time about this problem. So we need to look at what's going on in our own country before we start making an erroneous policy. Because if we elect candidates that don't solve the problem and make it worse, we're going to regret it and there's going to be an economic problem or recession in this country. So we need to challenge the presidents or candidates who are running for president. And like I've always said in my podcast, if we don't get involved, if we don't challenge the candidates, if we don't force the media to challenge the candidate, we're going to get the government we don't want. But then again, it's the government we want because we didn't take part. So take part, challenge your, your candidates, and really get to know the issues. So I'm going to keep doing these little segments on different issues of the, um, that come up across the country. Challenge the candidates. If you get a chance, go to Amazon, get a copy of my book. It's called The New Business Brigade. It's a bestseller. You can get it at Barnes & Noble. It's called The New Business Brigade, Why Businesses Need to Hire Veterans and the Untapped Resource They Represent. Go to iTunes. Go to Stitcher. Sign up. It's free. Let your friends and family know about these podcasts. Let me know what you want to hear. Let, you, let me know what you want me to research. Hey, I'll research. I'll do my due diligence to, to answer these questions that you have. Again, thanks for listening to Ubaldi Reports. Keep continuing listening to Ubaldi Reports and let your friends know. You can also go to my website, ubaldireport.com. Thanks for listening and keep on listening.